Hi, I'm George Tekmachev, here with Bruce Cull and Brittany Solanin, one of whom is the hardest working person in the sport of archery, and I'll leave it to the listener to determine which one it is. Although Bruce and I both know it's really Brittany. Hi, Bruce. Hi, Brittany. Hello. Good morning. How are you? Glad to have you guys back with us. It's been a while. Um, lots to talk about. Uh, for those uh, listeners just joining us who don't know, Bruce Cull, president of the NFAA Foundation. Brittany Solanin, the main executive in charge of putting on things like the Vegas shoot and um, all of the events like the Rushmore Rumble that we'll also talk about that the NFAA puts on. Vegas shoot is a, a world event. Rushmore Rumble starting to become uh, an event that attracts shooters from around the world. So we've got a lot to talk about. We're also going to talk about Olympic archery uh, with respect to compound bow in a few minutes. But let's start out with a, a positive note. <laughs> And that is Rushmore Rumble, which is right around the corner. Big event taking place in Yankton, Bruce. Yeah, we're getting excited. Um, you know, the, the Rushmore Rumble, the quick history, um, being located in South Dakota, we were one of the, the places that was able to have events all through the pandemic. And um, we had a, a call to action from all the shooters because nothing could be held anywhere. And uh, we got together with you know, some sponsors and, and we pulled off a tournament that brought in hundreds and hundreds of shooters. And, you know, we just used our Rushmore name as the Rushmore, Mount Rushmore state. And, um, you know, it worked out really well. Um, we're, it, it was the timing of course was very unusual through the pandemic. We ended up having that, I think in, I don't even remember when it was December, January, somewhere February. And we also held our national indoor that year. Um, and you know it was it was kind of cool to see everybody came out and and now we're trying to continue that on where uh, you know that's a payout tournament it's uh, it also has amateurs involved and um, just had a great time with it this year uh, we were fortunate um, to have the weekend set as the what used to be the old Iowa Pro Am uh, they had some problems with their venue and timing and other things and we talked with them and and they. Uh, said yeah that weekend's open so you know we're going to be able to kick the year off uh, right after the you know the, the first weekend of january and have the rushmore rumble so we're excited about that and uh, we encourage everybody to get signed up and you know weather will be fine <laughs> so bruce is that a um is that a replacement for the uh, iowa pro am in terms of the calendar or is you know i'm still going no, on? I, I i really don't want to speak for them for sure but when i talked to them last the the problem was their venue more than anything and I think they're trying to do something yet this year. And I think they're doing it the weekend after um, the rumble. So, you know, there's, which is the weekend of the ATA too. So I don't know if it was the venue or what it was um, where they ended up moving, but as far as I know, they still have it. Um, well, that could be pretty attractive for your top level internationals because they could come to Yankton and then go over to Iowa. Exactly. Yep. Not, and, that, and not that long of a trip really. No. And, and, you know, there's a lot of, in the Midwest, there's a lot of tournaments even leading up to that in December, you know, there's several uh, pro-am tournaments that are held. And um, so people that want to shoot, yeah, especially the, you know, the foreign archers that want to come over. I mean, we've got a great facility, obviously they can train in after they shoot the Rushmore rumble or they can spend some time or do whatever, but yeah, it's, it's, it's great timing and we're excited yeah. to move into that weekend. Absolutely. Sounds like a great opportunity. So tell us about the uh, event. Brittany, from your perspective, um, it's probably the third biggest event on your calendar now. Yeah, it's really grown and it's it's cool because it pays out all the divisions. 
So not only do the top guys get checks, but we're paying out through the flights and also scholarships for the kids. And it's a really cool target and round. Yeah. So everybody gets a chance to, to win some money. And um, I think it's a great family opportunity, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and, you know, a lot of, you know, college age kids are usually still off for, you know, break for Christmas break and it, it's good timing. Um, <clears throat> Brittany mentioned that target, you know, that was uh, an interesting thing. I've heard nothing but good about that target. And it's basically our five spot indoor target. That's got the colors of the, you know, the world archery colors. And um, hear a lot of, uh, you know, people like it. I hear a lot of comments about, Oh my goodness. You know, I never thought this would be this difficult. Um, so it challenged those in the professional ranks. And I think the the rest of the archers got something new to shoot. And I see a lot of those on social media now being shot for practice and other events. So I think it uh, it worked out really well. One of the really positive uh, comments I've heard from some of the pros, like Steve, for example, is that they felt that the round went pretty quickly. And as a result, they, they appreciated that, you know, that... Uh, they didn't have to stand there all day long shooting. They could get it done in a few hours. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. I think I think that's all psychological, but you know that's awesome. Um, that was a reaction, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's hard to please. You know that. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so what are the dates, uh, and how long is registration still open? So the dates are January fifth through the seventh, and registrations open now up until the day of the tournament. So. Get registered now. Yeah, we, we yeah. definitely, you know, one of the NFAA's um, fortes when it comes to archery in general and competitive archery has been that, you know, if you want to shoot, we'll find a place for you. Um, and, and we always keep our registration open. Um, we try to make sure we're in venues where we can fit, you know, all the people. And we really, uh, we, we try to do that. And it's customer service oriented, I think, from our end. Yeah. So, yeah, they can register anytime. Nice. I think that uh, that's even true in Vegas, even though that's not encouraged. It's certainly always the case that you have a couple hundred people show up. Yeah, um, and you know, that's, that's a good part. Um, you know, we've always done that. I, I think I learned from people that were in, in my position prior, and uh, we've just always tried to be, you know, look at the archers as our customers, number one, and um, never turn people down, you know, and I don't yeah. know that we've ever had to do that in my tenure. So that's that's always been good. It's one of the benefits of having big venues. Uh, of course, you've got the biggest one in the world there in Yankton, the largest uh, indoor yep. archery facility in the world there. So, yeah. And not to mention the outdoor facilities that are there. Although I don't think they're going to be all that useful in January. You know, I don't know. I just, um, I'm, I'm getting ready to head to Luxembourg here. And I was outside just before I spoke with you. And I was, we got a guy mowing and a guy planting seed. And it's uh, going to be 70 degrees today. And the long-term forecast looks like the same. So, well, that's quite a bit nicer than it is here in Salt Lake City today. So you never know. I mean, you never know. It could be nice enough that they could go outside and shoot a field round when they're here for the rumble. <laughs> You're not wrong. All right. Uh, we did talk a little bit about Vegas. Let's let's get into it. Uh, Vegas 2024 is going to be a milestone because it, as the NFAA uh, has been announcing, uh, it will be the last Vegas shoot at the venue that we've been at for how many years now? We've been there for this will be the twelfth or thirteenth. Thirteenth, yeah, thirteenth year. Yeah, yeah. I, I I can scarcely 
I can scarcely remember the time when um, you asked me to come down and me and I believe Denise Parker and a few other folks did the tour of the venue. And I, and I said to you at the time, wow, this is going to be great for the finals because of that stadium atmosphere. Yeah. And, um, and it was, it was spectacular. You know, we've had so many great moments at the South point with Sergio Pagni on the flaming chariot and all sorts of other uh, opportunities to show off our sport in a fun way. Uh, you know, I think that uh, that past decade and a third have just been spectacular. And there will yeah. be a new venue uh, that's going to be announced. Um, I We can't say much about it right now because of the formal announcement is going to take place at the Vegas shoot. But from what I'm hearing, uh, if you thought the South Point was good, we could be looking at something even greater. And I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, you know, you're dead right. And, um, you know, it's uh, it's kind of a bittersweet thing to to move. I mean, in in my time running the Vegas shoot, you know, we've we kind of go in those 10 and 12 year spurts at a place. You know, we uh, were at the Riviera. Actually, when we when I took over, we were at the Expo Center. Um, we were up, up upstairs one year and downstairs the other. And then we moved yeah, to the, the Sands. Yeah. And that was a big change. And I was like, oh, my goodness, I don't know if I want to do this. Um but you know the the greatest part is um i think the archery gods have just looked out for us you know as we've grown uh the facilities have grown and i can't say uh enough good about the south point you know when we went in there um i didn't know at the time that their plans were to remodel and do the additions but you know the two big preferred arenas weren't even there and um it was uh literally as we grew they grew it's almost like they had it planned for us um and, you know, the, to, to move now, you know, people ask, you know, have we outgrown it? Um, we could still maintain, you know, maybe another year or two with the growth as it's been. But where we've outgrown it and, and where we're bursting at the seams is once again our customers. Um, when I walk through the, you know, the hotel and casino and I see waiting lines of an hour or two to eat, um, you know, just everything. It's just like... Um, what we started with, we've grown so big that it, it was just time to do it, you know, and, and we, we could hear that from the archers, we could hear it from the vendors, um, you know, and even though technically we were on the strip, um, we weren't in the heart of Vegas, which I think is another thing that, you know, everybody is hoping and, you know, would like to see, because when you go to Vegas, you kind of like to do that. Um, you know, you like your own archery spot, so to speak, but you also want to be able to walk out the door and go see a big show or something so you know hopefully um this is going to be a good move the, the the archers have shown that they want to do it um the biggest thing i can tell you is i mean once again we're going to set history this year we would like uh, I'm, I'm pretty confident at the way that the registrations are coming in that um we're going to hit another record but you know this is your last chance to come and say you shot um at the south point which is uh you know not going to be there in 25 so I would encourage everybody to come out. We've got a lot of cool things going, of course. Um, anybody that knows me knows that we'll definitely have a grand finale. Um, it'll be a, a good last going away party from the South Point. And um, I would encourage everybody to come. Big cash payouts, of course, biggest in the world, um, and all the great parts of Vegas. You know, one of the uh, fond memories I have is my first Vegas shoot was at the Tropicana, and probably yeah. my second one as well. 
at Podium did one of those. It was the year that they brought out that little tiny dime-sized yellow. <laughs> it drove it drove people nuts, but I loved it. For some reason, oh, yeah. I could home in on that thing. And, um, you know, one thing that has been consistent throughout Vegas is every move has led to a higher quality venue, a better place, a better situation, you know, from the Tropicana to the Riviera, actually to the Sands uh, Convention Center, to the Riviera, to the... You know, I mean, uh, back when it went to the Sands originally, the Sands itself was still the Sands. It wasn't the Venetian, right? So oh, yeah, correct. I mean, I shot I shot that tournament. Um, well, I don't even want to give my age away there. So long ago, I remember staying at the Sands. <laughs> the interesting thing um, that I told the South Point guys as we, you know, started to negotiate a move and, a, you know, an exit strategy, I said, I do want to warn you about one thing. Every place we've held, this has been imploded. Um, <laughs> and, and you know, it, uh, I, I stayed at the Sands and walked across whatever that is, Canal Street, to go in the Expo Center when they were remodeling that. So, um, yeah, and, and a, yeah, it, you know, in the Tropicana days, of course, and the, you know, the tennis courts that they had down there were awesome. And, um, you know, it's it's been all over. And you're right. It's been growth every time, you know, in the last 30 years. So, um we look forward to the perpetuation of that. But the real thing was that you were there right there in the heart of Vegas on the strip. And that did change the dynamic. It made it much more of a, a holiday feeling. You know, um, I think people need to focus on the tournament when they're in the tournament, but they like to do other things. And, you know, the South Point had plenty of amenities and lots of things to do. But there's still a lot of people that did the, you know, the Uber ride to the strip itself to be able to enjoy Vegas the way it's meant to be enjoyed. And I think now that this venue change is going to take place, there will be a greater opportunity to do that in the future. But like I said, one last year here at the South Point, um, you know, if you've never been to the South Point, it is one heck of a place for an archery tournament. Now, uh, to your point earlier about this being potentially another record year, Brittany, I understand that housing at the South Point is pretty well sold out right now, but there's more housing available right next door, right? Yeah, so the Grandview is within walking distance um, and there's still rooms available there. And they actually have a sister property just behind Bass Pro Shop called the Berkeley. And it, I mean, we're hoping we have people, we're gonna sell out the Grandview as well. Um, and then we'll be sending people to the Berkeley and setting up Which is about a them. four minute drive away or you're gonna have yeah. shuttles, is that right? Yeah, so if if, we get a great amount of people over there. We'll definitely set up shuttle service. Okay. Um, if that's warranted. And don't forget bow that. storage service is available at the Vegas shoot too. So you don't have to lug your bows around. Yeah, that's, you know, that's nice. In fact, uh, that was one thing I was going to say about the move. Um, if, if, if there would have been enough hotel that we, we just, you know, when I said bursting at the seams, it was literally everything we did. I mean, and, and for those that don't have to deal with that, I can tell you it's probably the most trying thing from an administrative standpoint. I mean, the, the room block, um, you know, we take pretty much everything that they have. Um, and and then we had the Grand View. We've had the Grand View almost half the time we've been there. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and then you had the restaurants and just, you know, you could see it. It was an awesome thing. I remember back in the Riviera days, when the people at the Riviera would say, oh, you know, the archers don't gamble. Well, the South Point never said that. I mean, we had so many people around, it wasn't even funny, but it was almost too much. And, 
you know, in, in Vegas, working with the people you're dealing with there, you've got to do things quite a while in advance. So it's a it's a it's a big project to make a move like this, but we're excited no, about it. It's our only way. You know, it's our it's only little way. things too. You know, I mean, things like waiting 20 minutes for an elevator because yeah, here's the here's the thing, folks. Stabilizers come off your bow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. you know, um the reality is that you know south point was limited from that point of view and i think that um having a different venue is going to help take care of all sorts of uh things not not the least of which is waiting a long time to get into a restaurant or you know um all of the the crowds around the craps tables i remember that from last year you know just oh, yeah. uh, it, 10 people deep you know it was so, every, yeah yeah. But no, we're, so, you know, we're looking forward to a really big 24. I mean, I, I can't say enough about that. I'm I'm excited to, um, you know, have this all culminate together and be able to make a big announcement. But once again, I mean, I mean, what are we up, Brittany, right now? We're up about, we're up, what, 10% in our pre-registrations right now for Vegas. So it's, it's looking good. And um, I would encourage everybody to come out because this will be your last chance to see South Point. Now, every year... Since the 50th anniversary of the Vegas shoot, you've added a thousand dollars to the pot. Is that still the case? Yes. And so now you're going to ask me what we're at. Are we at fifty-eight thousand this year? Oh man, I Brittany's trying to look second. it up on her computer quick. I think it's <laughs> it's fifty-eight or fifty-nine. Um, yeah. But yeah, that, you know, that's been interesting. We um, it's just a, it's more of a marketing thing than anything. I mean, we're the the pro division, um, you know, as, as we call it even though it's the championship unlimited, uh, which is a neuter, uh, gender neutral division. Yeah. It's open. Um, yeah. I mean, it's an open division. It's uh, we, we, you know, we're Vegas. We we're the biggest tournament. We want to have the biggest payout. And of course we not only do it there. I mean, what Vegas is really, really famous for, and you alluded to it, you know, with wanting to be for the Vegas atmosphere to be there. I mean, our largest division bar none in Vegas are the flights. And, um, you know, I think it's probably the coolest thing. I'd love to take credit for saying I came up with a flight system, but I'm sure somebody in golf did that <laughs> back in Scotland before my time. Um, but, you know, the flights really are awesome because basically out of every 30 some people, eight people win money. And, you know, I remember um, here, here's a little story out of school. When I went to Vegas the first time, and I got seventh place in the 25th flight. I came home and told everybody in my club, I won Vegas. I didn't tell them I got seventh in the whatever flight it was. And I think that's still what you have. It's a crapshoot. You know, you go there, you obviously shoot your best. You're there because of archery. But the Vegas atmosphere is what really ties it all together. Hey, that uh, $600 check I won from making the podium in the uh, recurve category back in the day, that was a big deal for me, you know, at that time, like 1990 or whatever it was. Oh, yeah, and $600. Oh, it was the 90s. I figured it was the 60s. Okay. Um, yeah, okay. Work with me. Okay. It's recurve. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's recurve. You, you weren't paying out that much in recurve back then. No, and I'll tell you right now, you know, I, I made one of those Bruce Call statements when I handed out the first um, championship check, and it was in the basement of the Sands, and it was, um, oh, my goodness, um, can't remember his name now, but it was first place was like $2,200. And yeah. I remember thinking to myself, well, we've got to grow this. And, you know, and look at it today, it's 58,000. So, yeah. Um, and it's not 58,000. It's, it's, it's pushing a hundred for some of these oh, guys yeah. who have, 
you know, who have the uh, sponsorships from bow companies and, and uh, other, you know, optics and whatever, uh, yeah. by the time they get done, they can leverage that into a 75 to a hundred thousand dollar pay night. Oh, yeah. And I think most of them do, you know, and that brings up a good point too. I can't thank the sponsors enough. You know, um, one thing we've tried to do um, for our sponsorship is not keep the price out of line, but yet commensurate to what the event is. And, uh, you know, we've had 20 to 30 sponsors throughout our whole time at Vegas that really support it and uh, their support to those, you know, those professionals and, you know, even the amateurs that they do with contingency money is, is really important. And it uh, makes the whole thing worth it, you know, for everybody. So, yeah, but the heart of it, the heart of it still is the flights. I mean, you know, to have a guy from a club in uh, Mississippi come out to Vegas, get a check for $120, $180. Not only does he get his entry fee back, but he goes home feeling like a champ. And I think that there's a absolutely said for that. Yeah. And it's funny, too, how many people, you know, to give you an idea of that, there's still a lot of people, I get the occasional call in the email after Vegas going, I just wanted to say thanks. I had no idea I'd won $240 and this check showed up and I wanted to make sure it wasn't a mistake. And then I looked and by gosh, I got sixth place and whatever. And yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of what it's all about. Yeah. And, well, you know, you know, the other big thing is the trade show. I mean, uh, so many companies are there and, you know, the international shooters love it. Um, the regular archers love it. Um, several of the manufacturers will debut or announce, you know, new equipment there and, I mean, it's, you know, Vegas is without a doubt the proving grounds of archery and what a, what a great place to do that. Well, in fact, it's free entry to what is by far the world's largest consumer archery show. You name the brand, it'll be there. And Absolutely. Uh, some of those guys are willing to cut deals. You have the opportunity to see the latest gear. Sometimes you have, like, if you go to the Easton booth, um, you know, go look up Clint and he'll let you shoot the latest stabilizers. I mean, there's tons of opportunities to get your hands on the equipment that you might want for the outdoor season following the Vegas shoot. So, you know, that's a, quite frankly, um, the kind of event that they could charge 50 bucks to, to attend. And it's a free part, not just for the shooters, but for their families and friends to attend. Anybody can come to that uh, that part of the show. And I think that that is a huge value that maybe we don't talk about much, but um, it's most certainly the focus of what's happening when you're not shooting. Uh, you know, some significant percentage of shooters will spend a lot of time going around the trade show um, after they've shot or even before. And I think that that is part of the Vegas experience. And uh, again, you know, it, it started out fairly small. Back in the Tropicana days, you might have had maybe 20 exhibit exhibitors. Now you've got many more. Uh, you name the brand, it will probably be there. And in fact, uh, quite frankly, I think there's actually more brands at the Vegas shoot than attending the ATA show, turning it into what I think might be the largest archery show of any kind, not just an open or closed show for the industry, but the biggest one there is. And I think that that is a significant accomplishment. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's interesting too, because to look behind the scenes, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. From a consumer standpoint, the archers, it's the only place they can go and really do that. Um, you know, along with that, they're able to rub shoulders with the, you know, the professional archers, the, 
you know, the celebrity people that we have in our sport. I mean, the Tiger Woods of archery is going to be walking around. Where else can you go, you know, say hi and, and do that? But then on top of that, it, it's amazing because a lot of the dealers uh, come and, you know, we've always had the, uh, the add-on. We have the NABA show just prior to that. There's a lot of dealers there for that. So they do some business. And then the other thing is a lot of the international people come over just because they're they're actually a little more laid back at this and they're able to, you know, spend time. Not only do we have the, the shooting celebrities and professionals, but we've also got all those in the manufacturing world. I mean, where else can you go and, you know, meet the president of one of the biggest bow companies or, you know, uh, Greg Easton's a great example. Um, Pete Shepley. I mean, those kind of people that have been around, uh, you can go and say hi to them and, you know, meet them and, it's just, it's a great, it's a, it's a great melting pot of everything, all things archery. Yeah. And one of the things that a lot of international shooters uh, have the opportunity to do is come and get things that are really hard to get. Like for example, uh, Eastern bow truck cases, right? Those are kind of expensive to ship overseas, but a lot of shooters come and buy them from Lancaster, uh, which has, a, you know, generally has a big trailer there with all the gear that Lancaster sells. And they can pick one up at a good price and take it home. And, uh, you know, that is a big opportunity for a lot of international shooters to stock up on what they need for the outdoor season. So I think yeah. that uh, all around. Now, you know, with that said, um, the tournament in Nîmes that Olivier puts on has a pretty big trade show, too. But it's nowhere near what the uh, the scale is for the Vegas one. So another yeah. attraction for the Vegas shoot. And I think that um, you're, to your point... You know, one of the great things about our sport, especially at Vegas, are those opportunities to not just watch, but interact with the top shooters. And traditionally, one of the things that a lot of the pros do is participate in that pro-am where they get to shoot with kids and the kids get to learn from the pros. And I believe that that's uh, also on the agenda for this year as well, right? Yeah, that's actually done a lot of, you know, we've done a lot of changing with that. We actually got so big with it that now it's it's turned into more of a meet and greet, which gives exactly what you said at the beginning, a chance for those kids to meet the people. Um, you know, previously when we shot, of course that takes a lot of time, but the other thing is you only get to be around like maybe one or two of those pros. Now they get to, um, and does Lancaster still help support that? I mean, they're, they're a great supporter of the Vegas shoot and, um, you know, they supply whatever it is, targets and the kids get to get autographs and, um, you know, it's, when you look down on that floor, it's the busiest that floor ever is. Um, it sure is. It's the who's who of archery. You got the Dave Cousins, the Steve Andersons, the Jesse Broadwaters. You name the name. Paige you name Pierce. them. They're, yeah, they're there. You know, they are there. And meet the pros. Yeah, meet the pros. Okay. Meet the pros. And, you know, I think that that's another great opportunity. And I, I know kids have been inspired by that. I, there's a couple of kids that my friend Jay Barr's coaches that uh, that might've been one of their big inspirations for going further in the sport. So there's a lot to be said for just that aspect. There's also the scholarship program, um, which I believe continues this year as well, right, Bruce? Yes, and um, you know, Brittany, you may want to talk a little bit about that. We, we give uh, our traditional ones out. Um, and I will just add one thing, there's gonna be a couple little special things go on this year or last year during the, the kids part of it. So. Any kids out there, parents, come and shoot and make sure you bring your kids with you because we're going to be having some pretty neat things going on there. But, yeah, the scholarship part, um, and then we have the collegiate aspect too, but, Brittany, why don't you 
expand on that. Yeah, and I'll so preface this by pointing out, Brittany, that you know the NFAA Foundation has given out hundreds of thousands of dollars in scholarships for young archers uh, over the years. Yeah, and that's it's become even a bigger priority for us. Um, so not only do we give scholarships to the top three podium of each junior division, uh, but we also have you know a thousand dollar scholarship that we give out uh, based more on academics and a personal statement. And then we're also growing into additional scholarships. Um, so this year we're actually introducing the a professional scholarship that's based on the professional division's uh, contributions. Um, so look out for that as well. That one's live. And we just want to add more scholarships. We want kids to have more opportunities, um, you know, to attend college and compete in archery and keep their archery career going. And it has had a big impact. I, I know that there's been a number of shooters, that, names that we'd recognize right now on the world circuit scene that got their start partly because of that scholarship effort. So it's yeah, clearly had... You can, you can earn from the time you're, you know, seven, eight years old in those cub divisions and we just keep adding those all together. And then by the time you get to college, you know, there's kids that have five, six, $7,000 just from that one event from the Vegas shoot. Yeah. Um, so as we expand that to other events and other opportunities, uh, you know, we really want to become kind of that premier scholarship organization. That's definitely a priority. Now, details of the scholarship program, entry into the academic part, things of that nature are available, if I'm not mistaken, at the NFAA's website. What is the URL for that? Yep. So it's available at NFAAUSA.com, and it's also available on TheVegasShoot.com. So okay. you, can, you can direct to it either way. So uh, lots of, I mean, it's really, you know, Bruce, you called it the Super Bowl of archery. I'd say it even goes beyond that. It's for our sport. It's our Olympics. It's it's really that because you've got every possible form of archery. You got everything from bare bow to the most sophisticated compound unlimited shooters. You've got every age from seven to a hundred and two. If Charlie decides to shoot again this year, uh, it's just a full spectrum of culture in our sport nationality in our sport what 50 countries uh typically turn out and yeah, you know I, I i don't know if there's yeah 60 uh i don't know if there is a bigger showcase for every aspect of the sport of archery in one place yeah you're you're, you're exactly right you know it's it's um the good part of this is that it's something that the people have made i mean the archers have made this into what it is you know we've just been the facilitators um and we, we try to react upon what they want, you know, what the customers actually want. And that's, I think, been a good model to work with. But, yeah, all the all the different little things, you know, that our staff, like Brittany, works on, the, the scholarship stuff, um, the vendors, the manufacturers, the shooters, the different divisions, um, it's really made it what it is. And, um, you know, it's one of those things that um, I, I think if the world all goes to hell, it's the last thing that everybody's going to do in archery. They're not going to miss that. You know, that this is the the Vegas shoot is that one thing that everybody's going to go to. It's their homecoming of all their friends and the camaraderie and everything all tied together, just like you said. I'm still thinking everybody needs to chip in $1 so that we can get one target put on the sphere for one minute. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you and I joked about that a little bit. I just, I, I researched it just a little bit and, uh, the price to put something on there for a day, which is like, I don't even remember 
10 or 15, 10 minute spots or 10 second spots um, would pretty much be the budget for the whole Vegas shoot. So, <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'm just suggesting, I'm suggesting we get ourselves a uh, let's make it 30 seconds. Let's have a target face and, and, and rolling around it, the, the Vegas shoot. And let's make sure we have a bunch of photographers set up and then we'll put that on a loop. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I think it'd be great if we had some, well, it could be an endemic or a non-endemic sponsor come out and say, hey, we're going to put the the winner, the the compound unlimited open winner of Vegas on that after or that night of or whatever. Um, that'd be a pretty good photo op, I would say. Yeah, fair enough. All right. Well, anyway, I don't know if that's going to come to fruition, but given the costs and everything involved with that, but uh, that's a, a big spectacular thing that people will have an opportunity to see when they come to Vegas. Uh, along with, of course, all of the other things that we just discussed. So I'm I'm looking forward to Vegas this year. I, I know that uh, a lot of our listeners are. I, I wish I could say the same for you, too, with all the hard work you have to put in. <laughs> I know. I just know that uh, even though you said it's the people that put the thing together, Bruce, yeah, you're right. Without the shooters, we don't have a Vegas shoot. But certainly without you and Brittany, we don't either. So, Well, you I know, just from wanna... our standpoint, just one want it. Once it starts, it's actually all over for us. Um, you know, there's at the moment things you have to do, but just seeing all the people um, and seeing all the smiles from the kids and, you know, the big checks getting handed out and people having a good time, that's what makes it all worth it. Glad to hear that. So let's change gears. Um, if you listen to the last show, Steve and I were talking about the fact that due to a number of factors. IOC did not accept compound archery for the Los Angeles Olympic Games. Let me recap briefly. Um, the original proposal was rooted in the idea that it would be basically a low to zero cost event to have indoor archery at the Games of Los Angeles in 2028, because the plan would be to use the venue being used by the shooting sports the indoor venue, uh, which already has the technology in place, you know, already is good to go from a broadcast standpoint and would require minimal extra work to set up for an indoor archery event to be showcased at the games of Los Angeles. 16 different sports wanted to have um, changes to their programs that would allow for either a different or an extra medal to be added. And the only sport that actually got what they asked for and had to give up something that they already have on their agenda was uh, the sport of uh, paddling or canoeing. And um, so archery, along with a bunch of other sports, did not get uh, what was requested. Now, there are some reasons that have to do with finance that are aside from what I brought up earlier about the actual cost. Uh, part of it is that the IOC um, was not willing to budge a whole lot on the original budget for those games, which was promoted before inflation kicked in as hard as it did here in the United States. Um, so there was about a $200 million differential between what the Los Angeles Olympic Organizing Committee wanted and what the IOC proposed. IOC was also staying on its hard cap of athletes, which is, uh, I believe it's about 10,200. I don't know. I can't remember off the top of my head exactly what that number is, but it's along those lines. It's been a hard cap for some period of time. Um, 
so that's a recap. Uh, we did not get compound in the games of 2028. Our next opportunity might be Brisbane, Australia in 2032 for compound archery in the Olympics. With that yeah, said, yeah, I, it, go ahead. Yeah, it's, it's a, it's an interesting subject and, and I'm not going to say by any means that I have any expertise in it, but the, the two cents that I would just add, you know, with a little bit, I've been around it. Um, obviously I've been around compound archery and I would say that I could testify as an expert in that, but um, the, the one thing that I think is going is, is obviously what we all know, which is politics. Um, I think where the breakdown comes is understanding the politics of the, you know, the, the organizer, which is LA 2028, and also the IOC. And I think, you know, from my perspective, now looking from the outside in, um, and I've said this for a long time, I think the IOC um, really should start to take a look at the winter games. Um, and I've said this before to some of the people that actually make the decisions, and they've always shot back with, oh, no, 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 you can't do anything in the winter games unless it's in the snow or on ice. And I've said, well, I said, you know, maybe it's time that you start to look at a change. I said, because I'm definitely not an expert. But I would surely have to guess that the summer games makes a whole lot more money than the winter games. And of course, they all respond. Absolutely. And I said, well, why don't you take a bunch of the games that are predominantly across the world done in the winter time and put them in the winter games? Um, because one of the things that I would have been concerned about had that happened, um, you know, and it's like the old statement goes, be careful what you wish for. Um, the compound bow could have very well upstaged, you know, the recurve bow. And man, for the growth of archery, imagine how cool it would be if everything was on a two-year cycle instead of a four-year, that we had the compound during the winter games and we had the recurve during the summer games. Um, you know, that's one aspect. Uh, the other aspect, I think, when I talk about politics, the, the little bit that I do know, you know, when somebody said, oh my God, they let flag football in. Well, I don't think people have any clue as to how big flag football is and who's sponsoring it. I mean, it's well, and also NFL. also understand that's a one-off, right? That's only a yeah. that's a one-time thing. Uh, yeah, exactly. Along with... That's the other thing. You know, the, those organizing committees have the ability to pick ones that are just like a, a one-time, and those that you know the IOC says can go in forever or whatever for a longer period. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of events, and you know what? If you look at all the events that they chose, there's one common denominator: hundreds of thousands of spectators, and. I think those are the big po political things there. I mean, I think everybody in the archery world needs to, you know, keep working on it, work on it diligently. But um, I think there's something to that winter games thing that involves a lot more sports than archery that really could be something, you know, for us. In, in, oh, I tend to agree with your point of view on the winter games and its potential role in allowing for expansion of events in the Olympics in general. I'll give you an example. Esports is something that the IOC is very interested in, and uh, I'm not going to judge whether or not that's something that belongs in the Olympics publicly. Yeah, I mean, you know, that that's come about. I, I think the pandemic had a big impact on all that. You know, when we sat back and looked at how we operated through the pandemic, and by having all of our virtual events, I mean, once again, our customers spoke loud and clear. They wanted something to do. It was something totally, you know, never been on the uh, the board before and never been on the radar. And it worked out great. And it um, the people were able to stay, you know, interacted in the sport. 
and it gave us enough money to get through a bad period of time. But the uh, the point is that something like an esports shouldn't be taking slots away from sports that are already in the summer games. It would be ideal to add it to the winter games, as an example. Absolutely. Another another area that uh, you know anything that anything that's conducted indoors, predominantly indoors, could arguably be an excellent opportunity for an expanded winter games. Um, yeah. You know, and that that might even include mainstream sports like volleyball, things of that nature. Well, yeah. Let me tell you, some of the, the the thing when I looked at the list of sports in the Olympics one time, I couldn't believe the number of racket sports. And the majority of those that I looked at were played indoors around the world. Now, I'm not talking about tennis. I'm talking about the whatever they are, the racquetballs, the squash, the handballs. Squash, yeah. um, I mean, there's huge numbers of, of athletes in those from around the world, and they're all done indoors. So what difference does it make? I just Same for table tennis, for example. Absolutely. I mean, why would that be in the – is that in the summer games? Yes, it is. Yeah, see, I would have I would have thought that's unnatural, I mean, to be in the winter games. Yeah, I, I just think that, you know, they, they really need to think outside the box on the IOC level. Um, I think that there's a lot of opportunities for the growth of sports, period, um, which, of course, would be archery, too. But. Well, with that said, I think that, um, you know, there is a differential between core sports like archery and basketball and soccer and all the core sports uh, gymnastics and those one-off sports like uh, Los Angeles will have lacrosse it'll have flag football a couple of other things that are sort of unique to the U.S. baseball and softball will be in there for their uh, for their uh, return um, but again a one-time deal because I don't know if they're coming back for Brisbane um, they might but it's uh, I would say actually unlikely what you yeah. will see, however, is those core sports um, consistently. And that is where the IOC wasn't allowing any changes, uh, you know, except for the uh, the canoeing. So, you know, we're looking at a situation where our glass is really three quarters full. Uh, it would be nice to get that last quarter and get some indoor compound as part of the games. Or, you know, uh, I think that a lot of compound shooters actually feel they'd be better off with an outdoor round. And I'm not going to argue that point because I think that there's something to be said about that. But yeah, yeah. be that as it may, your your suggestion is arguably a viable path if IOC changes the rule, which is in the charter, for the nature of sports that are allowed for the Winter Games. And I think that can be done without diminishing the Winter Games in any way. You know, we'll have... Uh, pretty potentially a winter games in the 2030s here in the in the United States here in Salt Lake City uh, where we had it back in 2002 I think it would be great to have an archery event as part of that here in Salt Lake Absolutely. and I I really believe that going forward when we consider some of the geopolitical stuff involving climate and all that sort of thing that there is a point to be made about getting off the ice and snow situation strictly from the standpoint of a messaging aspect for the IOC. Yep. So with that said, you know, um, I would, I would say that, yeah, it was a setback for us and 15 other sports in that regard. But I also think that there could be opportunities in the future, uh, maybe things that we can't envision right now. And uh, thankfully uh, compound continues to see 
great universality and growth around the world. When you look at what India is doing in, in compound archery. Yeah, no doubt. And the effort being put forth by countries like Korea, there's no question that that momentum will continue. And I think we'll continue to see opportunities going forward. Have you got any, uh, you got any inside baseball about what's going on at World Archery? Any any uh, ideas about, um, you know, the, the, we're seeing the close of the Ur Erdner era coming up. And you're close friends with Ur. Do you have any thoughts about uh, where things can go from there after Ur steps down, after his uh, term is complete? You know, I, I really don't. I mean, I've always had a lot of respect for Ur, and he's done a lot, you know, for everything we've done. I've never... Um, in fact, I don't know that I've officially, at this last Congress, I don't know that I officially heard if he is going to step down or retire. Um, I know the amount of work he puts in, you know, a lot of people don't realize it, but my goodness, he is on so many of those Olympic, um, what do I even want to call them, um, ancillary positions, you know. Yeah, uh, committees and positions, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the world anti-doping and he's. Yeah, he's know, in the medical committee and, um, he's you know, he's a, he's a very prominent IOC member, I'll point out. Yeah. And, you know, in, in my life, uh, I've known two of them um, and they've both been exceptional people. I mean, Jim Easton, um, obviously, I don't have to tell you anything or the listeners. I mean, he was incredible. But no, I, you know, I really don't have any insight into that. Um, you know, Jim spent more than 180 days a year just on IOC things, mostly traveling during those 180 days. And I imagine or has I mean, a similar, similarly demanding schedule. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy, you know, and we're always very honored to have him. You know, I think he's made pretty much every Vegas shoot since we've been there. Um, you know, and, and by the way, that brought me to the last thing I wanted to say. I didn't want to, you know, forget anything about it, but we're, we're really looking forward um, this year again to the indoor world series final, you know, the, the Saturday night in Vegas. And we've really enjoyed the relationship that we've had with world archery, um, you know, hosting that and, you know, one of the things with our move, um, I think is going to tie in a little bit more on that line too, with the with the indoor world championship, and uh, specifically our venue. So, you know, I, I really look forward to that. That's been that's been great. As I mentioned earlier, I'm going to Luxembourg this weekend um, for one of those events, and you know, then of course there's names and there's oh, they're they're all over. I mean, it, it's and hopefully yeah, there's uh, Taiwan coming up in uh, December as well. Yeah, Taiwan. And that's the other thing we're really trying to grow. I mean, that's been a, a great effort, uh, you know, under Ur's leadership and Tom Dillon and, you know, all the guys that were there before Juan Carlos was involved. I mean, uh, Chris Marsh um, and Toma, of course, now, I mean, they've done a great job with, you know, really perpetuating that indoor game, which I think is, you know, what you got to have looking at the ultimate goal, which is, the biggest tournaments in the world and, you know, a potential look at the compound in the Olympics. So, you know, they've done a, a great job and, and we've really enjoyed working with them. And we look forward to working with them in the future as we make a big move, which, you know, could have a big effect on everything as we talk about the Olympics. So we're excited about that too. Yeah. It seems to me that um, with the demise of the world indoor championship, that now we have a yearly world indoor championship, which is the culmination of that world indoor series. And, uh, you know, the events that that has spawned around the world, including, uh, you know, the events that had been on the line for a while, such as the one in Luxembourg coming up, uh, the Lausanne one that took place last month, Taiwan in December, Nîmes in January, and then Vegas for the final. Um, that has turned into a solid part of the 
calendar for our sport. And I think that uh, I echo your your sentiment on that. I think that it's uh, a, a worthy successor. Uh, well, yeah, and, you know, having a you know biennial World Indoor Championship. Yeah, they, they've definitely, um, you know, World Archery was the instigator. Juan Carlos, I remember when he came to me at the Riviera and said, you know, I want to do a, a world whatever, whatever. And we've had, it's interesting too, because during the growth, we've had several different names to that. It's been the World Cup Indoor. It's been the World Indoor Challenge. It's now the World Series, which I think fits more of the Olympic name. Um, but it, it's been awesome to see that, you know, and all the, the players involved around the world are really helping. You know, a good example is what you're seeing in India. Um, and by the way, who's their coach? Don't they have a coach that has something to do with Vegas? I understand he rides flaming chariots. <laughs> yeah, you know, look at Korea. I mean, I think uh, Rio, didn't he win? Is he? No, Chance is the most winning Vegas. I, Rio's right up there. He's he's won a lot of Vegas tournaments, Vegas shoots. and Yep. Uh, you know, just a prime example of of, of that venue and, and Vegas and how it's really, really grown over the years. You know, one of the other aspects of Vegas, of course, is that it always has lent itself to creating new stars in our sport. Uh, a lot of a lot of our top shooters that we think of today uh, got their start by winning that showdown in Vegas, which is still unique in our sport. Nobody else does it quite like you do, Bruce, on on uh, Sunday night. Um, oh, that leads me to ask one question. Is it going to be the same schedule this year? Yes. Yeah, we're on the exact same schedule. We had looked at a move, which we may look at implementing, you know, in 25. And that move was like a lot of listeners that know what we do at our national indoor. It's just uh, moving the finals all to a Saturday night and then continuing the flights and all those on Sunday. And that may be something we look at, but... Yeah, you know, one thing, I uh, somebody asked me, what, what what's the most memorable event or thing at Vegas that I've seen? And, you know, I, I couldn't I couldn't pick one thing, but I'll tell you one that would be in the top three um, happens to be a non-compound shooter, and that was Brady a few years back. Um, you know, 900 when, points. Yeah, when, when Brady shot that, you know, and I'm not going to put words in his mouth, but um, I think the, uh, the, the shooting the perfect 900 – in Vegas, being the With only recurve ever to do it, um, would rank on his list. I mean, I know he's an Olympian and everything else, but that is, uh, you know, Vegas is without, you know, we talk about Super Bowl, we talk about the proving grounds, but with a recurve bow, um, regardless to anything, to do that is phenomenal. And I think that would rank right up on the top of his list. But, yeah, that was definitely one of the coolest things, and I think it was cool from – every spectator standpoint too, they could understand it. They knew it and it couldn't happen to a better person. A hundred percent. I think it edges just above the flaming chariot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and now we're just going to wait. We're going to definitely make sure we have a woman do that. So um, that's coming up and uh, hopefully that maybe that could be this year. I don't know. Well, I guess we'll have to find out because Vegas is just around the corner. Yes, uh, the dates for Vegas this year, Brittany. Uh, February 1st to the 4th. So time is time is going quickly. If you want to get to Vegas, flights from around the world are available, even now at reasonable prices, relatively speaking. And uh, housing is available at the Grand View, which is, uh, you say it's a walk, but it's actually a very short walk. It's about 50 meters from one of the entrance doors to the uh, South Point. So it's a convenient place to stay. It actually has kitchens. So if you choose to, you can 
prepare some breakfast there if you want to. Um, I found that a lot of people like to get together and, and you know, you get a couple of families staying in one of those units because they're plenty large enough for that. And they'll cook some meals and save some money that way. And it becomes a, a nice experience for those families that like to come to the Vegas shoot. There's all kinds of opportunities. You know, that a right, lot one of more time. I say a lot of teams like to stay there because um, I think don't a lot of the places have washers and dryers too. Yep, every unit. You know, so I mean, a lot of collegiate teams I know stay over there. Uh, a lot of the reps um, <laughs> have said they like to get over there at the end of the day because they can, you know, be isolated a little bit. Um, you know, some of those reps from the manufacturers, and um, it, I think there's just a lot of people that like that atmosphere. I totally agree. I I stayed there one time and I thought, you know, this is. Uh, Pretty nice place to stay. And I think that um, you're not missing out on the South Point experience because, like I said, it's maybe a two minute walk uh, to get into the right there. So, you know, you're looking at uh, the biggest opportunity to enjoy our sport that is accessible to anyone. You don't have to qualify, you just have to show up. And, uh, you know, NFAAUSA.com is the website, it's .com, not .org, right? Dot com. Yep. Okay. So NFAA USA, all one thing.com with all the details or the Vegas shoot.com, all one word. Um, get your, get your entry in there and be part of history next year. If I'm not mistaken, we'll be 60. And I imagine that's going to be a big deal too. We hope so. Yeah, that's for sure. All right. Well, Bruce and Brittany, you've been very generous with your time. I want to thank you very much for joining us on the podcast today. Um, we'll uh, we'll have Steve in on the next one. And uh, in the meantime, I want to thank both of you, as always, for all the hard work you do to promote our sport, to support the kids with the scholarships and all the programs, all the seminars that are available at the Vegas shoot for parents and, and kids to learn about our sport. Uh, the opportunity for people from around the world to come to the United States and have a great archery experience. Thanks once again. Absolutely. Thank you, Thanks, George, George, for all you're doing. We look forward to another one.